Good to be back. You seem really good, man. Really centered and happy. Yeah, I feel like my life has changed so much since the end of last tour. I feel like when Divide started, it kind of pressed play on this crazy period of my life. It pressed pause on everything else. And when the tour ended, I kind of pressed stop on that and pressed play again on my personal life. And I had to kind of catch up with everything that had been going on. And I feel like settled and cool now. I feel like you knew that was going to happen. I mean, for some reason, I have this memory of a conversation we had around Divide just, just as Divide was coming out. And you sort of said as much, like, I sort of know what I have to do. It's going to take me all around the world. And I want to reach as many people as I can. And I want this album to be as, as you know, alive as possible. It just kind of snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And when you're in the, the wheel, um, you just say yes. And they say, do you want to do another another leg of South America? Yes. Do you want to do Australia again? Yes. Do you so, want to and do what does it feel like when you get so, okay, so you're in South America and then you're in your hotel and then someone goes, hey, we can put another leg on in Asia. Do you want to go do it? What, what feeling do you get? Do you get this feeling of like, I never want this to end? Do you get a feeling of anxiety of like, wow, do I know how to end this? Like, I was 26 and raring to go. I had no other ties. And, you know, I, was, I hadn't really ever lived at home longer than six months. So I was just kind of rolling with it. But when it ended, it was really like really hit me really like the last gig in ipswich sort of coming off stage and being like i don't think i don't think this will happen again i feel feel like this is the top of the mountain and that's it and i'm 28 and everything's downhill from here and it was quite a, that's why i started painting because i was like i need to find something else to put my time and energy in because i have to get over the the music because because i never met i never made music to play wembley stadium i never i i I was so stoked to just get paid to play a pub. Like that was, when I found out you could get paid to play music, I was like, oh my God, this is like. You actually did almost, on paper, you did actively everything to not play Wembley Stadium. You didn't get a band immediately. You didn't try to expand your production. You didn't do all the things a lot of people would have done if they'd sniffed the possibility of that. You kept it very much in keeping with how it began. Yeah, I, but I feel like when, when the wheel starts turning and these things get presented to you, you, yeah. can't, you can't say no. And then, then the ambition starts and you, it just becomes this, like, this monster. But I feel good. I feel great. I feel in a really, really good place. Like 18 months writing the best part of two albums and uh, whittling it down. I know I played you the record yesterday, but whittling it down to a... Uh, what I think are the best songs. and um, You just unwittingly threw me under the, the most beautiful bus of all time because now everyone who's watching this is going to be like, oh, that guy's hit the record. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Zane is literally... Now I have yeah. to like, try to like, avoid social media messages all the time. No, so no, like, yeah, we are, yeah, we're, but we're discussing the We're sing discussing the single. The single. Yeah, yeah. All that's Sorry. to come. Sorry, I was... Uh, all uh, that's to come. But it's really f***ing good. It's so nice to kind of be back chatting. I know, like, because everyone knows you as, like, Zane beats one Apple, like... I, f I feel like it's there's a whole generation of kids that don't understand how much of a tastemaker you were. And you literally played my record, and that was like the reason that A Team started like rolling and, and getting. I remember we we put on a gig just to uh, prove to you that we were plugged in with them, um, that the kids liked me basically. And I put on a gig at the Barfly in Camden, which holds like 200 people and there's a thousand kids turn up and your producer came down and was like, yeah, we should probably play it. Um, I remember exactly how that conversation went. I remember, that, I remember my producer coming back to me and just being like, 
you, you just need to just accept that this is a thing and like this is going to happen. And I always liked the music. I just didn't really understand at the time who you were as an artist. I needed to know that. I don't think, I don't think anyone did though. I think it, I mean, it took me by surprise. I kind of like my goals and dreams, I've said this a million times, my goals and dreams are always to play Shepherd's Bush Empire and have a gold album. And with the week the album came out, we played Shepherd's Bush Empire and the album went gold. And then from there, it's yeah. just kind of gone to the next stage. And the in next a way, stage, it's not stage. for you to understand though. Have you made peace with that? That it's not something, there's lots of things in life you can analyze, but analyzing the way you, you relate to people and, and, and vice versa from an artistic point of view is a dangerous hole. Also plans, like there's lots of things in life that you just, you just should go with. I just go along the path and I, whatever's there is, is there. This is turning too spiritual, but yeah. Um, I missed you on the last run. I know you were really deliberate about how you showed up around collaborations, the sixth, the sixth edition of collaborations. And you, did, and you said no a lot then. And I, and I wonder sort of what was going through your mind when you decided that you wanted to put a record out, but you just didn't want to do it the way you'd done it before. Well, because I don't see it as an album. You know, it, turn, it turned into, 15 tracks and you would class it as an album, but it's not reflect. I'm, I made Divide over like four years and I made Multiply over four years and I've made this new album over four years. I made collaborations in like three weeks. I got a house in Nashville. Me and Fred made a bunch of ideas. I chose artists that I wanted to work with. I flew to Houston to go and see um, Travis Scott in a studio. I had Khalid come to Nashville. Like I kind of just like went around and just put this thing together really yeah. quickly. And I, ju I just wanted to throw, throw it out. Also, I've never ever had features on my albums apart from when I did Number Five Collaboration Project. Yeah. And I've been very careful if I'm putting together a solo album. Cause like I, when I bought Bob Dylan albums as a kid, like you don't go and it doesn't say, it, you don't buy a Dylan album that says no. featuring Travis Scott. So I wanted to actually make a specific record that just like fed my desire for all of that and ticked my boxes of wanting to work with these people. I don't want it to go plus, multiply, divide. Num number six, it was always meant to yeah. be side. It was meant this, this, yeah, it was never in my five album plan, but it was always gonna, it was always gonna be a side project. And there'll be a number seven and hopefully a number eight and, and that will hopefully just keep rolling. But I just, yeah, I just wanna be able to make my records and then just every now and then have fun and cr creative freedom and stuff. So funny, right? Fun and creative freedom, it, it, they, they change with the context and the construct of success. It's so funny, like when you start out making collaborative records and you're on album one or album two, then you fly under the radar and do whatever you want. You get to a point where you've just played stadiums for the, you know, two years straight. I know, and man, the expectations of it were like, yeah. I was trying to like manage the record label's expectations being like, Divide and Multiply both sold about 20 million copies. And I was like, this is not that. My <laughs> fans like listening to me for my music. They are not going to connect to this music. I'm making it because I like it. It picked up on the momentum that you had even when you had stopped. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you can't just stop. Especially if you've got some music coming out, you can be at home doing your thing music's gonna to continue to do what it does. And if it wasn't the, the collaborations project, Divide would have just kept ticking over. You gave the fans you something. You have to do, yeah, I had to put something out. I had to, and that's why I felt like I had to put out Afterglow at Christmas as well. It'd been too long. And yeah. you need to every now and then, you know, I used to put out an EP every sort of like three months. And yeah. I think because I try and make these albums so perfect, it just takes such a long time to put them together. I love the approach that Taylor has at the moment and that Ariana has at the moment and that Future's had for the last like five years. I love the, the pro I mean, Elton John used to put out three albums a year and I, I think that's where music's heading. And I think after I've done this record and the next record, which have been my like five album plan for the last like 
10, 11 years. Once I've done that, it's just going to be a bit more free. It's just because when you have the, you have the titles and they have to be exactly how they're meant to be. And, and then, so we're staying in the title, we're staying in yeah, the Yeah, 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 yeah. If you look at the Ipswich Town kit, yeah, yeah. it's on there. Right. It's on there, that's what's coming. And I will say this, it's some of the best writing you've ever done and you've really tapped into the things you've learned and, and experienced since Ipswich and now. So without going too deep into those themes, I just want to kind of get the ball rolling so that, it, so that when we come back, it's got a little momentum. The most obvious place to start is that, you know, you made a significant change in your life, mm. not just in your career and in your creative and all that stuff, but like a life change, the life change, became a yeah. dad. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess the obvious question being a dad was how was that experience for you personally? Because it's unique for everybody. Everyone was like, this is the best thing that's going to happen to you. And like, I kind of, there, there's a certain expectation that comes to it. And I think the biggest thing I took away from it was, well, two, two things. The relationship that I had with my parents has completely changed from like, it was amazing before, but now it's just like, there's like this eternal yeah. gratefulness and respect of being like, I know what they went through. And I'm, I'm still kind of like, Going through it. And also the other thing is no one knows what they're doing. Like you no. can, I see people and I'm like, oh my God, that guy's the best dad in the world. But he started off oh, like me, like yeah. not knowing, knowing anything. I'm learning day, day by day. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. My lifestyle has completely shifted. Instead of going to bed at 6 a.m., I'm getting up at 6 a.m. And well, earlier than that, but like- <laughs> I was say, yeah, I what is your child, <laughs> the perfect sleeper? <laughs> oh man, she's jet lagged at the moment in, um, in LA. I started exercising. I used to do everything to excess, like real excess. Like I would have like, I would go to a restaurant and be like, oh, I like the look of that and like the look of that. And like, look, I'll just, I'll eat all of that. I loved drinking everything in sight um, and all, all the other stuff. And I just found like, when Cherry was six months pregnant, I was like, right, at this point, waters, could, waters might break anytime. And I'm just gonna stop excess and just be available and be uh, the husband that I'm meant to be. And um, yeah, and then from there, I've just been, it's kind of been like clean, healthy living. You look great. Thank you. And you I've dropped a lot of weight. You have, you have. <laughs> but you also look great. Your energy is excellent. And that really sort of is, it, it comes from not just making those changes, but appreciating those changes. Everyone tries to make changes in their life all day, every day. I've made day. changes, but I've done it in like the Hollywood way of yeah. being just like, oh, I'll just stop eating carbohydrates in four months or something like that. Yeah. Whereas now, like I actually, the weird, the weird thing, I haven't actually changed my diet in any way other than just stopping excess. Like I still have beer, but I won't have 10 pints, I'll have like three. <laughs> and I still have burgers, but I won't have two, I'll have one. Like it's- I still have two. Really? Oh, that's great. I mean, I had two in and out the other day. I was driving through my kids and they had one each. I had two. I had to show them how it's done. Yeah. Double, double. <laughs> Which is four. Yeah, that, that yeah. Um, when we spoke, you know, significantly the last time you and Cherry had traveled around the world. And, and you, the, the, Christ, man, that was a long time ago. a long ago. time ago, right? And we, we spoke just before Divide came out, you know, I guess in 2017. And you were telling us all these great stories about how the two of you sort of reconnected and fallen in love again whilst traveling the world mm. and having these experiences that only you two would ever be able to share and talk about. Um, and you did it again, but in a, in a far more sort of stable way by becoming a parent. I mean, me and Cherry both come from the same county. Like she grew up 10 minutes away from our, my, our houses at the moment. I grew up five minutes away from it. And we have been based there since tour ended. And you know, we have friends that live around there. Yeah. Both of our parents live like really close and we've formed this life in, it's not like when we lived in London before, 
It's just go, 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 go. There's you know, social things every night. It's always like, oh, then you're out on a date, the two of you. But this is very much just a whole, like I've, I never really got the every Sunday roast thing. Cause I didn't really, that wasn't really something I grew up with, but something she grew up with. And you know, she taught me how to do a proper roast chicken, cut potatoes, make ro proper roast potatoes and like, doing that every Sunday, getting into routine of that, having date night every Friday. Like, it's, yeah. it was just, it's, it's wholesome, good. It's good, man, it's good. Getting to that point where life starts to take precedence over all the other things we talked about, which is the ambition and the success. But, you know, you're fortunate, you achieved that stuff, and now you can sort of look back on it, reflect on it a little bit, especially with a new album coming out. You know, what does that time feel like to you as a, as a, as a whole, as a whole concept, the idea of everything from that first album right through to Ipswich, what comes to mind? There's this kind of like laser focus of just looking ahead. We're touched on the finishing Ipswich thing and realizing that it was like a, a big tour that had ended and, and stuff like that. But I think looking back at situations and wishing that I'd lived in it a little bit and, you know, appreciated what was happening at the time. But I was, it was so kind of like, oh, this is happening, whatever, cool, yeah. Oh, yes. I'm just, okay, yeah, of course, yeah, whatever. But like, and just like going straight forward and now entering back into the music industry, like, I feel like I'm a new artist starting again. <laughs> and I feel like hearing a record on the radio is gonna give me such joy rather than be like expected. You know, it was getting to a point where I'd get, get in a car in London and I'd turn on the radio and there'd be a song and I'd be like, course like and i'd never want to be like that again because that is not where you're at when you start off music when you first played me on the radio i remember like all of my friends texting me being like this is it and me being buzzing and being like oh my god like this is this is it and like to lose that as a mus musician and it lose the excitement of it i feel like having 18 months has made me really appreciate how special it is to be able to wake up every day and grab a guitar and that's my living you know i love that I love that you, you, you draw for the instrument now willingly as opposed to as part of the exercise of being I, I, And I didn't touch it. When I finished tour, I didn't touch it. I was going to ask guitar, you yeah. what music meant to you when it came to an end. Um, I kind of had this like crisis of like self, of being like who, I saw you, t I saw Chris Martin touch, touch on it in the interview you did. And it's so right, like who are you? Like who am I? I've been touring for 10 years. Like who actually am I? Am I like, Am I the, the, the name that's on the, the venue? Like, like, cause I got home and music's my hobby. So I'm like, do I still do my hobby? Cause it's also my job. So that's why I started painting. I wanted to find a different hobby. And then you slowly get back into, like I, Cherry actually pulled me up on it once. She was like, why don't you ever play music in the house? And I was like, I, I don't know. I used to play music all the time in the house and now I just don't play music in the house. I'd never pick up my guitar, I'd never sing. And you know, we'd, we'd had a couple of nights where I would just pick up a guitar and just start strumming a Van Morrison tune or singing an old Planksty folk song or like, and she just encouraged me to do that more and more and I fell back in love with it. It's a odd thing having like a 10 year career where you just go, 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 and then you stop and you kind of want to carry on playing music, but also in your mind, you're like, oh no, I should give that a rest for a bit, I should give it a break, but I love it, I love it. Because it represents something else to... But it doesn't, it doesn't. It only did because in my mind, right. I was like, I associated it with, I associate guitar and singing with this kind of like rat race machine of like chase, 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 but, yeah. th but the actual essence of it is just joy and yeah. just, it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of joy and fun and speaking of hearing songs on the radio, well, you know, that's going to happen again. Th let's talk about Bad Habits, this, this first taste of this new era and 
just what an out and out brilliantly constructed Ed Sheeran moment this is, but immediately different, right? When fans hear this for the first time, they're gonna recognize that you are dancing literally in a different space. How did this song come about? What's the relationship between all of it? So, so Fred, uh, who I made the tune with, Fred, Fred, Fred again, um, him and his brother, he'll love me telling this story, him and his brother have this dance group called Rain Radio. Right. And their one goal is to make music that they can eventually get like a Vegas residency and chuck cakes into the crowd. Like they're, they're just right. like, let's make the perfect dance music. <laughs> and so I kind of had reached the end of my album, we're in the mixing stage and always for my records, the last stage is the most important. And that's when like, I'd finished Multiply and then Thinking Out Loud came by accident. I'd finished Divide and Shape of You came by accident. I'd finished Plus and Give Me Love came by accident. So I was like, I finished the record and I was like, I'm gonna do a couple more weeks in the studio uh, just to see what comes. And I remember talking to Fred, he was playing me, him and his brother's tunes. And I was like, let's make the perfect Rain Radio tune for you guys. Um, and then so we, we started doing it. And also it kind of tied into, it was just like, I'd never, I'd never really written dance music properly. I'd never really like gone, put my head to it, and let's let's make it. And then when we finished it, I was like, this is actually quite good. Played it to my manager. He was like, let's make this more because it it was really like techno. Right. So he, I, we kind of brought it into a space. But the essence of the was, song was there already. You'd written yeah, it. it was the. What I loved about it is Fred's approach to the vocals of it's barely a whisper. Like that's the thing that struck me straight away when I heard the song for the first time. I had to say to the person who played it to me like. He pressed play on it, and about halfway through the verse, I'm like, I remember saying, I was like, who is it? Is this Ed? And I had to catch myself, because I was about to finish the sentence, like, who is this? Like, I couldn't figure out it was you. Yeah, no, it's good. Fred, I mean, Fred's approach was basically just whisper on the mic. He said, like, you'll have this massive bassy chugging, and you have this tiny vocal that you make huge. And man, it worked, it worked out. So the, the process of, like, actually deciding it was gonna go on the album was I had a first single chosen, and we were coming in June, when life is getting back to normal and you can put out this song and I've, I just, I want it to just lift. I just want it to feel like a lift rather than a, I feel like if it came in like autumn, it would just feel well, like it a- Well, it feels like a lift as a song anyway. I mean, it's, it's my gosh. If you are going to dedicate yourself to creating a moment for a club where people can dance as a community and feel tactile again, like we're in this experience together, you couldn't have written a better Ed Sheeran example of that Thank from the first time out the gate. It feels, it feels natural. I felt like, like dance music is so, it's so easy to write an acoustic tune and put a four to the floor beat over it and then just call it a dance song. But actually like Fred is such a connoisseur of dance music that he kind of guided me into it. And um, I feel like, like fan reaction, do you know, I, <laughs> so for years they were like, yeah, we want it stuff to sound like the first album again and give us plus. And so I put out Afterglow at Christmas just as a kind of like, here you go. And the reaction was like, eh. And so <laughs> in, my mind, eh. in my mind, in my mind, I was, no, no, it was, no, no, people, people liked it, but it was like, it was like, sure. this is just what you've done before kind of thing. It wasn't well, it was like also a, like, to be fair, and you said this before in your own words, we were coming out of a really intense, yeah. yeah, and I didn't know what Christmas meant to me and my family. Little, and I'm sure everyone felt the same way. It's like, what is this Christmas? I can't be with my family, I can't yeah, be with yeah, family. Yeah. It, was, it was a tough time to release anything, I think. But that's also kind of why I wanted to put it out, was yeah. just to like, not have it as a single and just have it come out yeah. as just a like, here you go. But in that process, I was like, every single record that I've released um, since Plus, after Plus, I've put out a first single that 
I think that the fans are going to hate. And initially they do, but there's a kind of, it, they, it, they sort of take on, a, it takes on a life of its own. Like Shape of You, I remember that coming out and everyone was like, no, no, no Castle on the Hill is the one. No, we love Castle on the Hill. But then Shape of You just kind of takes <laughs> on because I think I probably said that. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but the album will appease all of them. You yeah. know, they will, they'll buy the album. You have to understand that to keep reinventing yourself, you have to every now and then throw out something you haven't done before. And this is a sound that I've never, ever done before. And it leads into an album of sounds that I kind of have. You Dude, know? I went back and listened to Sing today because I was driving to hang out and mm. see you. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't heard Sing for so long. So I went to Apple Music and I pressed Sing. It was like, it sounded weird still. Yeah. And it's such a smasher. But it's such an odd song to come after like Lego House yeah, right. or Give Me Love or like, yeah. but that, I think it keeps the conversation interesting. And even if Bad Habits is not as successful as the songs that I've put yeah, out yeah. in the, oh, well, that. we'll see, we'll see. But you can't, the amount of times I've been like, yeah, this yeah. is a smash and, it, and it, just, it just isn't. So we'll see. But even if it's not, like Sing is not the biggest record on, it's actually the, the least successful single off Multiply. But what it did is when it came out, it made people interested in the album, which is what the first single should be. It should make people go, oh, I wonder what the album sounds like. If I came out with another song that sounds like anything else that mm. I've done, people mm. will just be like, oh, the album, we kind of know what the album sounds like. But in instantly you're putting out something that love or hate, you're going to talk about. It's also going to have a, you know, like Sing, like those records you talked about that may not have set radio on fire or reached people to the same degree, but they became essential parts of your live show. Yeah, you mate, Sing's, Sing is just, uh, like there's it's just the kind of benchmark of this it's everyone has fun everyone's everyone's singing along and like you can't measure success by metrics sometimes and i'm not saying that bad habits isn't safe i mean it is i know i know european radio is going to like it because it's like it's it, it you know it's like it fit, it fits on german radio quite quite well but for me it's like here is the market that i'm like I have no idea. I, did, I mean, dance music is kind of big here, but not... Well, I mean, dance music for a long time in the, in the turn of the new decade was the only thing that you would listen to alongside hip hop and, and, and pop music. I think it's gonna change again significantly and quickly because I think to your point, the, the, the reason you wanted to put Bad Habits out because you wanted to be part of the celebration. You wanted to have something that could, could stand alongside the people as we came out and, and saw each other again for the first time in a long time. I always kind of try and put myself in situations, like I've always tried to make records that I want to listen to. Like people always say, do you make music for your fan base? And I go, no, like if, like if I made music for my fan base, like I wouldn't be happy. I'd be making music to appease someone else. I'm, the reason I create music and play music is essentially to make myself happy. I feel like that's why anyone creates. If you're like, Try, like they, what's the quote? Um, there's no key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everyone. So just do you. And so for me, I was like, what do I want to hear in the summer? And this is exactly, I, I want to go to fucking Ocean Beach and Ibiza and stand on a table and pull vodka over myself. You know, not as a, you know, I'd have to have to ask my mum to look after Lyra, but you know, like. <laughs> that was just, so beautiful. Or just, wheel, or just wheel her in, just I'm wheel sorry. her in and just have her there. That so perfect because I could just see you instinctively just teeing it up. This is what's gonna happen. I'm gonna go stand at a table and lose my fucking mind. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I've got something else more important than that. I have to factor into this. But you can still listen. No, you can. You I can mean, still we've be had... a parent and stand on a table once in a while and pour vodka over yourself. 
I'm just waiting for one of my mates to get married and just go, we're having a stag do. That's what I'm waiting for. Oh, I fucking hate stag do's. I don't go to them. I've missed three of my best friend's stag do's for a reason. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. I know. Why? Too much anxiety, OCD. I'm not talking like gross stag do's where it's like no, strippers and yeah, blah, but, just but like, like yeah. with going to like, go out with the boys. But and... anything that, that is like, even take away all of the tacky elements of it, the, the, the things that neither you and I would be comfortable being around, right? And just the idea of like, all right, fellas, for the next two days, we're getting f***ed up. But once... Aggressively drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not yeah. aggressive, but aggressively going to get drunk. You right, know? My stag do 2018 was, it was f***ed up. Yeah. Next hype. It's fun though. <laughs> I, I never want to relive it. My, my, my best man took uh, Polaroids of the whole thing and had them all framed up for me. And I look at it and I'm like, I remember all of this and... Stop. <laughs> yeah, <then> just... <laughs> I wanted to ask you how, because I'm fascinated by this, how music, not your music, but how music played a role in your life during the last 18 months? Because everyone's got a different story. As to, for me, I'll give you an example. Um, I started to listen to a lot of like Nils Fram and really soft piano music. And it just, I searched for things in music I hadn't searched for when life was going a thousand miles an hour. How did you just lean into listening to being a fan? Yeah, I kind of went back in time. I got, I went on eBay and was buying like, oh, I, was, I know all about this. Like all, all the old records, I was buying like the, the old Planksty Live albums and sort of like Astral Weeks, Van Morrison, and just getting, I was trying to listen to just classic classic albums you know I'd never really deep dived not to be like name dropping here but I um when I found out Cherry was pregnant I was like how do I navigate this into my career and I just watched Rattle and Hum um the U2 doc and basically made the call well no this is the thing U2 played stadiums on their third record or, th or whatever and Bono was 20 Eight, and he finished his live tour at 29 mm -hmm. and then had his first child and then went on to be, you know, that was their first stadium tour and then they went on to have like a 30 year career of still, still playing stadiums. And I was like, this is the one guy I feel like- Make the call. I could relate to, yeah. So I, <laughs> I, uh, I got in touch with him. We had like a like three hour chat and he is the sweetest guy. Oh, the best. And we were just having, you know, I'd never really bonded with him like that. And I don't think, I don't think I probably ever would have done, but there was just this, I don't know what made him take the call, but we sort, were sort of having this chat and he was telling me about how he navigated being a father, like where his kids went to school and how, and how they did tour and stuff like that. And I was just kind of taking it all in and I sort of, he hung up the phone and we sort of ended our chat. And then I went through a like deep dive of U2 on vinyl. So I bought all their, all their records. I mean, I'd heard their records, but I'd never, it's different sitting down with headphones, closed eyes, It's a deliberate decision. This is why I fall in love with it again. And I say this in full knowledge of the fact that we are right now going out on Apple Music and I love my streaming And service. streaming's great for it's discovering great. and it's good. And it's, it's good, great. but it's, great. it's like track to track to track to track to track. It's sitting great, down. It's, it leans into that insatiable appetite, which is why it's used by a lot of, a lot of people who are, who are searching. Who, and that's why playlists exist, because I want that song to that song to that. But there is something, you're right. Since I've started to recollect my vinyl collection again, because it's so spread out across the world in different friends' houses and my mum's house and blah, blah. And now I go to the collection and I flick and I mm. take my time and I choose something thoughtful and then I choose what side to put on. It's thoughtful. And I know that when I'm putting the needle on the record, and this is an obvious thing to say, but if you haven't done it, you don't truly get it. You're committing to I'm that. I'm into it yeah. all the way through. So I'm going to hear the songs I just would skip. No skip rate. 
There's no skip. And also, what I do, I have a beanbag next to it and a uh, pair of headphones, and you just there, you kind of soak in the album. And then I feel like I understand the bands more by doing that. I, and I was buying like everything. I was buying like the old Eminem records yeah. or like Get Rich or Die Trying. I was yeah. buying all of that on vinyl. Oh, that's going, a good one. I have to get that. The amount of money I just had to spend to buy Lemonheads. Come on, feel the Lemonheads. David Gray's White Ladder. They released a 20th anniversary box set, and it's great. That was actually probably the staple of my pandemic of putting that album on again and again and again because he was doing White Ladder 20th anniversary tour in March and right, right. I was, me and my dad were going to fly over to Dublin to do it and then pandemic happened and obviously got cancelled but we were like gearing up for like David Grayness and, um, and considering his role in you as, yeah, a, yeah, as yeah. an artist and the influence that he's had on you that must have and your dad to go as well that would have been amazing. I'm going to do a gig for Plus I'm going to play it one one show in its entirety. I don't know if it's going to be streamed or wherever, but we're going to do it in its entirety, and then that's it. And I love the idea of seeing your favorite record. Like, White Light is one of my favorite records, and I love the idea of him yeah. just going, starting and just doing, please forgive me, ending with say hello, wave goodbye, and then that's it, that's the gig. Maybe it's like an hour long. With the album now, you know, everyone knows the album is coming, and we'll get a chance to talk a, bit, a little bit about it. The idea of playing live, that sensation that where do I go from here? Because that's where we started. We started this particular conversation at the end of the last tour. Yeah. And I want to know how you feel about going back out and playing live now that you've had some space between that, that kind of major come down to what will effectively be a restart. So I'm kind of dipping my toe in the band game. I'm, di I'm dipping my toe. I did um, the BBC. Uh, I saw, yeah. I've always had a band. I've done TV. It was actually um, Lorne Michaels, who I was like, I was doing S SNL. I and I was like, I'm yeah. going to do, do a loop pedal. And he was like, no, you're not. You're getting a band. And I was like, oh, OK. Uh, so I got a band, really enjoyed it. And it actually works better for TV because you just go in and crack it out. And it's, an, it's a different um, atmosphere. But I'm sort of like dipping my toe in because part of me goes, I got to sell eight no, nine million tickets off the back of using a loop pedal. So people obviously like want to come and see it. And the last tour we did like two or three off the back of seeing a loop pedal. So I feel like surely that's like what people like. And I look at bands like Coldplay and Rolling Stones and whoever and uh, you two, and they don't actually change their live setup yeah, at all. Yeah, they just true. play new songs and have a different stage. So I'm kind of in my head, am I like, am I just changing stage? Am I doing something different? Am I adding new songs to the set list? Or am I doing complete whip the carpet out from everything that I know and, and doing. So I'm sort of like dipping my toe in and I feel like the band's fun and I'm like... What's well, a new dynamic shift for you, right? That, I'd imagine that's where you're landing right now is, okay, if people love seeing me with my guitar and my loop pedal because it's, a, it's a integral to the sound that appeals to so many people, can't you do it like... And I think of talking heads, I think of Stop Making Sense and I think of the way that David Byrne, it's, it's him. Yeah. You seen that film? And then one by one, the band come out and the whole thing just grows and grows and grows until the end, if you feel like you're in church. But it's just this beautiful dynamic. You Do you know? know what I can't, like, that I need to get my head around with a band and that I think will probably change is the, is the click. Yeah, I hate yeah, it being yeah. rigid. With a, with a loop pedal, if I want to just go over here and do something random or stop the song and have the crowd sing, it, there's like... To have a band that you can look at, to be the E Street band, you need to play with them for like 20 years and yeah. know that this signal means yeah. what, you know. So it, it, at the moment, it's quite like rigid. And I just, gotta, I just gotta figure it out. I'm not, at this point, like I'm not planning anything apart from a tour. There's a tour booked, but uh, I'm gonna spend the year doing promo with the band and 
We'll see. But I'm, uh, there'll be a couple of things as well that I just put, because I, I fucking love getting on stage with a pedal and just going for it. There'll be a couple of things in the summer that I'll like pop up and just have it. But uh, yeah, I'm, en I'm enjoying uh, trying different things. It feels like a new era of my career and I don't want it to be defined by the old eras, but then at the same time, I don't want to take away what inherently makes me, me. You know, I don't want to suddenly just be like, just get a band just because everyone else says I should get a band, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the will I won't I stage at the moment. <laughs>